Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I'm tenderly happy to be on the phone today with Stuart Sovatsky, PhD. He has a degree in religion and psychology from Princeton University and the California Institute of Integral Studies a Kundalini Tantra practitioner since 1972. He was the producer of the World Congress on Psychology and Spirituality in India in 2008, which featured more than 400 delegates from 40 countries, including B.K.S. Iyengar, Robert Thurman, and S.S. Ravi Shankar a Kundalini chant master with Axis Mundi. He has counseled thousands of people worldwide on yoga and relationship. He lives in Richmond, California. He is the author of Words from the Soul, Time, East-West Spirituality, and Psychotherapeutic Narrative. He is also the author of your Perfect Lips, a spiritual erotic memoir, and the book I'm holding in my hands, Advanced Spiritual Intimacy, the Yoga of Deep Tantric Sensuality. Welcome, Stuart Sovatsky. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you very much. I feel warmly welcomed. Good, good. Well, I'm going to do something right now which I practically never do. I am going to read the one-before-last paragraph of your book because it's beautiful and I think it opens really well what we want to talk about. Yet the scientia sexualis of mainstream Western religion and psychology have only given us garbled or fundamentally deceded understanding of how the great seed powers, the prepotent soul of it all, can ever more fully radiate into our lives. The inner anti-desire conflicts, familial brokenness, cynicism, and shallow yet ubiquitous scientia pro-desire eroticisms of modern culture perfectly reflect the exact ways those faulty maps are garbled and shallow. Their politics have turned deep mysteries of gender, fertility, reverence, 
and the passions of arousal into shrill debates that rest on these worn-out soils pretending to be bedrock truth of life and freedom. Stuart, you open other doors and portals for us. Would you speak about how you came to see the real world of spiritual intimacy? Well, firstly, thank you for um, bringing to life that uh, paragraph from my book. You made me shiver myself that uh, I could hear uh, the depth of what I was writing come out of your heart. It was beautiful. And I would say uh, the intimacy that I'm sharing with you, listening to my words Hmm. echoed from you, is this type of sharing about the, 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 something that's kind of gotten lost, firstly by the, the, in the West at least, uh, that sexuality under the, under the authority of the Catholic Church in particular uh, puts so much emphasis on fertility that it, uh, uh, in a very narrow way, um, but the bonding of lovemaking was kind of lost. And then since Freud, they just reversed it and took the fertility completely out of it. Uh, and then contraceptive technologies made this new kind of desire eroticism, but it wasn't connected any longer to really the powers of life creation. And when we look at the ancient fertility cults in all over the world, China, Greece, certainly in India, uh, we, we see that the power, what I would call a, a psychedelic power mm-hmm. that our bodies have to uh, create entheogenic or psychedelic chemistries that come from fertility itself. And we've been cut off from those deeper uh, hormonal chemistries in order to control our fertility. But what you uh, read um, is the the conclusion of this 300-page book where uh, I show uh, not just from scriptures uh, from all over the world, but from my own 40 years of yoga and all the yogis of India. You see that in India, all the yogis and Buddhists, they, they were all not just focusing on consciousness, but on the seed of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hidden because they, they look like monks, but uh, it, yeah. it's not at all like the Catholic Church approach at all. It's a very... It's, 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 it's a marrying of the male and female within oneself that, the, that these Eastern monks are, are involved in. Yes, you show us that um, as we stand, each one of us today, we stand as the fruit of all our ancestors, and we are also in this moment the curled fern of everything in the future. You know, like this curled, we see when a fern is curled. It's a beautiful image. You can, the leaf is in its potential, and, and day to day it uncurls, it 
itself. And it, you get a feeling that something is not just in the now, but it's aiming into the future of an unfoldment. Exactly. And we, and in our families, you know, there's a couple things that are very obvious, when, but we have to think about it. We know we have two parents, and we can easily know we have four grandparents and eight great-great-grandparents. But when you go back 25 to... Th- we're on 25 generations, that would be two to the 25th power, we start to have something like 30 million relatives. <laughs> and that kind of puts embed, we must be sharing a heck of a lot of relatives. And that's just 25 generations back, you know. So the way uh, uh, taking this fern back into time and its predecessors is amazing. And then forward, Every, every new baby has, not, has half of the seed to create, and it, when it becomes an adult, with another being, another baby. So the seed within seed within seed within seed is hidden within all of us, just like that un, unfurling uh, fern that you described. Mm-hmm. Well, in the beginning of the book, uh, you say something that's so beautiful to me you say drawing closer to something hidden is the essential erotic art closer to something hidden and it's so important I believe to respect that aspect that's that's always a little bit hidden from us because the scientific method has a, a different approach to reveal whatever is hidden and demystify mysteries uh, and, and try to explain, for example, uh, genetics and DNA, uh, which could be called, you know, the final frontier of our being, of, mm-hmm. of our of how we uh, the template of our bodily uh, life. But within the DNA, there can be more fractals, I guess would be a nice word. Yeah. Uh, something that uh, is uh, deeper still uh, that creates the DNA, that creates the molecules of the DNA. But still we're using biological and scientific language. Um, in Sanskrit, I think we could say um, amrita mm-hmm. would be a good word, which mm-hmm. would be the the honey or the nectar of immortality. The nectar of immortality, Amrita, would be a a possible Sanskrit cognate to the word DNA, Mm -hmm. but it involves a subjective feeling, not just in a laboratory, but the feeling of the nectar of immortality. That's very, very close to this mystery. It feels like the most both intoxicating and uh, uh, sweet and precious um, distillate of the essence of what a human being could possibly create in our bodies, and uh, which is the ability to create life that will create life that will create life. And we are, like you say, in this moment, we have our ancestors that go back, and then you get to, the, I think, the chicken and the egg problem. Right. <laughs> you know what? You know, I, 
drawing of Adam and Eve with belly buttons. Yeah, the question right. was, look long and hard at these belly buttons. Take as long as you want. Right, right. <laughs> Where did they come from? And yeah, we have to make some kind of leap into a mystery that gives rise to, uh, a, a, from a source of some, some beyond our, almost beyond imagination. Exactly. Beyond, into, uh, beyond imagination, what is hiddenness? What is the secret? What is the most intimate thing you've discovered about intimacy? Well, I think that's helpful for our society is that lifelong romantic love is the most natural and easy relationship to engage with. That any couple that begins to fall in love, it had, what I found was that it's the easiest thing to perpetuate that all of the whole universe is designed for that back and forth of two lovers to go endlessly on without breaking apart instead of what we find today in the modern societies, 50% divorce rates, 70% for second marriages. I, it, it made it sad that uh, not everyone is experiencing what the nature of the universe uh, has created in the, in, in the experience of romantic love. And in your book, you have beautiful exercises to help us get beyond the uh, the anger that comes up when um, when our illusions are not fulfilled or our expectations right i uh, draw upon many emotions but longing is central to breakdown that when there's anger it really at a deeper level is a kind of frustrated longing. And I make most of my livelihood in my work, my career, in helping couples translate from anger to longing. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I'm so angry at you about this, I have helped them say, I'm so much longing that you would be able to do this with me. Mm. And it becomes user-friendly to hear a longing. And uh, the faces do fill up, the eyes fill up with tears of longing instead of a kind of uh, an angry look of frustration. And now they're both approachable. The other one will say, thank you for longing this for this with me. And now they're on a positive path. Of course, this is abbreviated, but it gets to the uh, another deep mystery that uh, we're all, longing is an endless path. Right. And when we're, we're lucky if someone will long for us and uh, we'll keep it alive without falling into different types of frustration, but we'll believe that we always have more to give and receive than uh, even is easy for us to give and receive. So it's a belief that we're more than we thought rather than less than we thought. Mm. Mm. And then... Longing sounds tender, and expecting sounds hard. 
so. longing, yet yeah, is a, almost starts to be a, a kind of devotion. We 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 uh, say that we're willing to sustain this longing for our whole life to find that partner, and then when we find that partner, what do we give them, and what are they giving us? But their their longing, and the longing could be called desire. It's a somewhat similar word, but longing has. That's what you call puberty. I, I would like you to define. You talk about the fact that we have, we can have many adult puberties, and so I'd like you to kindly define what you mean by the word puberty. Thank you. That's a key word. There isn't a plural in the dictionary, and, and it refers to what happens when we become fertile. Uh, around the age 12 or 13. But uh, essentially, a puberty means a very radical maturation of the body, the a feeling of, of, of one's personal personality. Uh, we're no longer a little kid. We're 14, 15-year-olds. They want to be taken more seriously. They won't hang out so much with little kids. So you see the ego develop. But uh, the ego is, in transpersonal psychology, many psychologies of spirituality, they say there's something beyond the ego. And what I've translated is to show that it, 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 it's a puberty. It's not just a, a higher state of consciousness. It's very similar to what happens when we're 12 or 13, except this goes on our whole life. And instead of the fertility puberty, There's the puberty of, of the thymus and the heart, which definitely has, uh, relates to oxytocin, mm -hmm. recently called the love hormone of the, mm -hmm. of the brain center called the hypothalamus, and melatonin of the pineal, where we experience inner light and even a sense of time, and serotonin, which was known uh, related to LSD and these highly awake states. What I'm saying is that glandular system does again what it did when we were teenagers, but it does it again throughout our whole life, awakening glandular capacity, mm. not for fertility, but for a, a, a hormonal basis to firstly feel reverence and a kind of unbreakable love, 
layers of forgiveness, capacities to apologize and not be defensive uh, or angry, uh, to, to state uh, feelings of longing and need, and then to feel um, uh, methods of lovemaking that are uh, completely unknown, even in the, the tantric circles of, of the New Age. So the puberty gives this other, the first puberty makes sexual intercourse be the foundation of, of lovemaking. And that's a bit challenging because it's reproductive as well for uh, heterosexual people. And uh, it required this contraception and abortion uh, backup plans that really divide the whole country politically, if not the whole world, uh, to keep this kind of, of fertility, sexuality, going, I should say, de-seated, controlling the fertility. But it all comes out really well when the puberty of the heart and the pineal uh, begins to unfold. And it's completely natural. We find uh, descriptions in Plato. We find it in uh, all the major religions of, uh, of the third eye. Um, Descartes spoke of the pineal as the location of the soul. Uh, and so what were they talking about? A much more complete map of human maturation, that when the glands in the brain add their chemistries, uh, the, the name that I've named, then lovemaking completely leaves alone the male ejaculation. And in uh, the New Age Tantra, they speak a lot about the male learning not Holding to back. ejaculate. But they don't get into the poetry of it. It's very mechanistic. Yeah. And the main purpose is merely to prolong the sexual activity. Um, but not they're not translating the Sanskrit like Amrita, this uh, nectar of immortality that I would say relates to melatonin in the brain. Mm. And the couple is exchanging these uh, brain nectars. Uh, in other words, the orgasm is happening throughout the whole body, and it's not based in pleasure, it's based in absorbing each other's secretions. But for the male, the semen has completely changed. The testosterone has modified, so instead of a kind of um, simply a driving force, it's a reverential uh, range of emotions. That's uh, what the uh, your Perfect Lips poetry book was about and what I put all throughout uh, Advanced Spiritual Intimacy, how couples can mature to a puberty beyond the ego mm -hmm. where uh, we feel that we're part of a mystery. We're, we're, we're created from a source that we can intuit, but before and before, before even uh, Lucy, the, uh, the, the first the monkey that seems to have you know, be, be been our first ancestor, uh -huh. uh, we feel connected to the primordial past and with the power to go forward infinitely into the future. Now that is a puberty of the soul. And couples can bond with this at this level, mature towards it, their children grow up in a kind of a radiant field of this high-level maturity. And I believe it was going on massively in uh, the, the Greek
making was completely infused with this high-level sense of, of the meaning and, and power of life creation. I think that's what um, that's probably what Paul Gauguin was looking for when uh, he went set off to Tahiti and the Marquise Islands. And some of his paintings reflect that that reverence, um, which is at uh, the intersection of of nature herself and the coupling of man and woman in love. The artists were able to, and, and, and although many Freudians kind of uh, reduced that vision to uh, a, a type of Western desire, the anthropologists who came after Freud, they did, they, they corroborated what Gauguin and others were describing that uh, they were very much in awe of fertility. Uh, it wasn't a proof of, the, of sexual liberation. It was much more uh, like what you're saying, of, of being in awe of a, of a mystery of life creation that was kept in these cultures in Polynesia and, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe as well in, in the ancient Greek fertility cults and certainly throughout uh, India. Well, the thing that um, that most uh, I'm hesitating to use the word struck in the sense that it didn't st- strike me down. It it's it struck me open was when I was in the in the Amazon forest and the exquisite the well I have no words for it fertility. That uh, that is apparent everywhere, everything growing and growing from it, growing on on the growing of the other growing, and maybe you are speaking to us about intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and sexuality in that way. It's a beautiful uh, analogy, and it perfectly meets the problem of our ecological crisis and the climate crisis Thank you. and the problem of, of unsustainable culture. We've, we've disconnected from that level of nature that is overabundant, it would seem. The, uh, the, these Amazonian and jungle environments, it feels like the air is filled with the fertility yeah. and every, every leaf has another type of thing growing on it and, and the, it, it's just so profuse. And now we're in a world where uh, it's shrinking. Uh, and so the answer is definitely, I think we've exhausted Freud and the capitalism that came along with Freud, which was to plug desire into the economics of production and selling people stuff that they don't need, but make them think they need it using advertising. Mm. So that's a, a nutshell of the opposite artificial world of artificial satisfactions that over the last hundred years in particular, uh, capitalism along with this theory of desire fulfillment that Freud got started has completely driven the world onto the brink of of extinction of all kinds of, of life forms. And then you go to the jungle and you go, wow, 
<laughs> nature has uh, it's designed to be hyper fertile and what i'm basically writing is the big picture of full maturation but beyond what freud gave us to tap that very fertility and interestingly it starts solving all sorts of problems from the, the divorce problems to a cynicism about relationships and even uh, makes drug addiction be basically uh, like a, 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 a obsolete because the feeling of being in that jungle, I'm sure you could describe it, you don't need to be higher than that. You're already inebriated, inebriated. in that air. Yeah. And I'm just showing that male and female, or for that matter, to men, to women, the ways that they can be with one another is to provoke a human version of that type of jungle fertility. Wow. Human, two human bodies or three, whatever, but let's say two, um, they can bring out that type of, let me use the word fecundity, yeah. high-level fertility, but it's inebriating but in a way that we would call it enlightening. Mm -hmm. And the people see each other as God and goddess, not in an exaggerated way, exactly the way they already are. You just feel that something was hidden from us, that we're the creators of life, and that can be put into words quickly. But when you see it in each other, you get such a boost of joy. And... Uh, it's, it's the eroticism goes on, the relationship can go on, and the children that are born in that, uh, they grow up within this field. And then when we age and become grandparents ourselves or great-grandparents, mm -hmm. the final image that I uh, describe of, of a life well-lived, you could say a grateful death, since we are near that concert of the Grateful Dead, grateful uh, death. the, the elders would seek little babies that are their great-great-grandchildren from their deathbed, and their parents who are their great-grandchildren, and then these 50- and 60-year-old people who are their children. And you, they would see that life goes on and on and on and have a grateful death, just fade into the uh, next mystery uh, with a, a complete feeling of, the, of the immortality of life. And when they're little, when we're little in such a culture, we live being surrounded with parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all of whom have lived lifelong happy marriages. It's unbelievable mm -hmm. in a broken culture such as ours, what I'm describing. And I'm saying, this is the way it's meant to be. And we just need a map. We need a map. That, and if I make an analogy, that puts the sun in the middle of our solar system rather than the earth, uh, which was Copernicus' great gift to put the sun in the middle. Here, instead of the ego in the middle of our person, our conscious self, is the soul. And the soul, uh, uh, in the uh, how it matures the body to these high levels, uh, it's built into us. And I just put together the map, uh, drawing from all kinds of traditions, mm -hmm. mainly yoga, that shows how to awaken this, these uh, puberty of the spine and the perineum, the pineal, the heart, and then uh, the state of consciousness that comes from this and the world.
which in, uh, the key phrase is Vasudev Ketumbakam. That's the central maxim of the Indian religions, and it means the world is one family. When everybody sees this from this type of love, of this uh, complete maturation, it's not something you just read about in books. It's like how you felt in the jungle. Yeah. It, 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 the jungle taught you the reality of how Mother Nature actually is. The reality of fecundity. How to get beyond the shaming that is that comes to us every day through the through the narrative of sexuality in uh, on television and uh, on the, on the street, how to get beyond that uh, that that horrible narrative of sexuality that's based on shaming us for our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, a problem um, from this garbled map that uh, that the Western religions had. They knew something was beyond sexuality, but they didn't see that it was a continuity with uh, what we do call sexuality. They, and the only way they thought to get to this something beyond modern, what we call sex desire, was to make, make sex be bad and get us to like let go of it. There it was a faulty map that lacked a continuity of maturation. And so we see in India uh, a culture five, 7,000 years long at least uh, in which this battle did not take place. So shame was not uh, necessary to try to break people free of this first puberty for something holier. And uh, so there's a complete continuity. And it, it's not so simple to say that there is a complete continuity between uh, bodily sexual feelings and these uh, puberties of the heart and the soul. Uh, for example, uh, pornography. Pornography is probably the biggest thing on the Internet. Um, but how could it be transformed so that it would be like going to church? Mm-hmm. That is a huge transformation. That means the sexuality would have to change so it really would look like why people go to different cathedrals, temples, uh, even a forest church, uh, like in the Amazon, like what you were describing. How could something that raw that is uh, in the pornography world be so transformed? There'd be no shame, no shame about every kind of sexual expression, but at the same time, it would grow so much beyond what's on the Internet that everyone looking, right-wing, conservative people, everyone would say, the Catholic Pope, all these people would say, this is what we've been hoping for. The human body is holy, and where does it rest upon? One element is the seed. Uh, The worshiping of the genitals, the worshiping of the kisses, the worshiping of of it, this will sound funny, but saliva that uh, makes everything taste sweet. And the one thing is to keep holy is the male seed, the, uh, preser- the, the, the 
gives rise, uh, if it's led into the female body, uh, that would be to make babies. And uh, otherwise, this worshipful mode uh, makes the eroticism be an endless play and leaves every child to be conceived by choice, by intention, and consciously. So you feel the creation of the new life. Otherwise, the couple uh, is involved uh, in this endless kind of lovemaking, and the idea of shame becomes completely obsolete. But likewise, what the churches were aiming for, this exalted state of eroticism that also uh, separated, went beyond the, the, the male ejaculation, where they talk about spilling seed as if it's, you know, something beyond this, but they don't map it out fully. And uh, the uh, sharing of, of the, of the you know, a type of er erotic behavior where, uh, I mean, LSD was probably the closest thing that massively changed Western culture in the 60s because enough people within an hour of taking a psychedelic or a mushroom or something, mm -hmm. They felt they were definite. No one could talk them out of it. The sunlight looked like God. The, the trees looked like they were all in love with the wind. The oceans looked like they were kissing the, the, the beach, and the beach was kissing the ocean. And everybody was having a great time. And all that I'm kind of adding in is that the lovemaking was not complete that Freud and Wilhelm Reich gave us. And this... Of complete maturation, we would completely participate in that. Uh, what, what, what psychedelics gave us a glimpse of, but it was externally taken drug. Here, it's your own body is creating DMT. Our bodies create DMT, yeah. but the maturation makes the, our glands be capable of those kinds of chemistries. Completely natural, non-addictive. In fact, making lifelong bonding and lifelong families and uh, be very easy to sustain. And then you look back and see how uh, the idea of shame, oh, yeah, they just didn't have all the steps in line. And they were just criticizing the first step instead of seeing it as a very, very important uh, step in human maturation. The uh, holiness of, of sexual, we would call sexual, feelings so people are so um, attracted by pornography because they're numb and they're seeking arousal and I see I, I experience that uh, that tenderness and innocence that open the doors to intimacy are the most arousing, arousing feelings there are. So how to touch that place that is almost excruciating, I mean... That, that intimacy and that innocence somewhat like the unbearable top of the clitoris, you know, how to, how to have the, 
how to have the courage to come out of the shell of numbness and touch that place in each other. That's very beautiful. That uh, It's a t- total continuity from the, uh, the skin, the outer surface of our nature, and all the nerve endings throughout the whole body. There's a continuity all the way to the steward who's talking to you. <laughs> Johanna, you know, the two of us, I make you smile on the phone, you know, when I say, yeah, you and me, yeah. you know, that I enjoy you, and, uh, and, and, and I can do it with words, mm-hmm. but there's a total continuity. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. your skin mm-hmm. that would be soft, just mm-hmm. the pleasure of, on your skin. No, it goes all the way to the inner sanctum mm-hmm. of you and me, mm-hmm. and that it, it's an e-complete continuum, and so there is no such thing really... It wouldn't be, make sense, impersonal sex or uh, internet sex where, you know, you could see that you're watching a, a laptop computer. They're not in touch with you. It, it, it is interesting that a, a new category of pornography has become very popular, mm-hmm. and that is people who actually love each other making home videos. Wow. You know, the, 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 the compass is going that direction, that, uh, even if it's slowly, that people do want to see something that is more real yeah. than just actors uh, yeah. you know, on, in a, on a stage. Yeah, yeah. And then to raise it up to uh, a level which would really be, you know, uh, the X rating would be uh, n- not to show, but the, the, in the old days when the movie would go black, the, the screen would go black, and your imagination, you could feel, you're giving the couple their privacy. They would change to something <laughs> metaphoric. And, and Change that, the metaphor, and then you feel that's the mystery of the two of that those people loving each other, and worshiping each other, and playing with each other, and delighting in each other, and uh, it's sacred. I and want it's playful it, and everything else. Playful, playful, play, play, please. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. So I once had an experience I want to share with you where um, I was having a massage and um, and I felt, I saw my third eye opening and uh, it was like a diamond, um, the opening of a diamond. And then I, I saw the, these images from Kajirao, this place in India where I had never been and never heard about. So I saw these images of these uh, of these people in uh, in erotic embrace, and then after that, there was a further opening of the diamond, and I can only describe it by I perceived the love. That is the uh, the potion of the universe, and so I'm sure you have perceived these this love as well. And I would I would be honored if you would describe it. Well, it's beautiful to hear your description, uh, and. The, uh, 
of the pineal gland of that third eye. Right. And and the melatonin make it makes us when it secretes we see light. Right. And we feel a timelessness. Melatonin uh, uh, ebbs and flows in our brain when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down. It it goes along with our the diurnal rhythms. So when you break beyond to even the earth time, it's you're in the cosmic frame of reference, mm-hmm. and the time, and we're, it's not a, a planet that rotates every 24 hours. You're in a very cosmic sense of time, and all that you describe is that uh, uh, the emerging of what that puberty is like, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to kiss someone, and you would share those nectars of your brain in the deep kissing, and they would, t- your partner would taste what you were feeling. And, and, and drink it into himself and have his own experience. And then his brain would also secrete, and you would drink those chemistries from his kiss. And that would heighten your neck secretion. This is alchemy. Every time we go back and forth secreting uh, and then drinking each other in, it nourishes the neck secretion to be even more powerful. And endless. So this is uh, taking your experience and putting it into a couplehood with, with uh, relying on kissing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now it's worth also noting that the yoga postures are completely different than the way they're taught in all uh, the yoga studios as positions. They're really erections. Yoga poses emerge like on Kajaraho sculptures, the, all those uh, carvings of beautiful people. Uh, some of them, their legs are up in the air mm-hmm. and they're stretching in yoga poses. But you have to equate it with how a clitoris or a penis will swell with blood when it's, made, when it's very happy to be uh, aroused by someone. All the fingers and toes and the hands and the arms and the eyelashes, everything is capable of a tumescence. Mm -hmm. And that's the full puberty of the body. And you see it in Indian dance, which also reoccurs in flamenco. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Andalusian uh, Spanish flamenco traces directly back through the gypsy culture to Indian dance. And Indian dance is, uh, in its origin, is uh, a natural um, tumescence rather than a dance. The organs fill with blood, and they start stretching all over the place, and they're guided by the same energy that guided the embryo in the womb to manifest our human body. I know I'm jumping all over the place. No, it's delightful. Oh, no, all these elements to this new world that is so obvious to me. But like I say, I did a 40-year deep, very deep 40-year yoga uh, submerge my whole life in this uh, kind of eroticism. And, and that I, I, it, so now it's in my bones. It's, you know, it's not <laughs> fleeting. But um, uh, so I... And I read the text and translated it differently, and the scholars agreed with me that, yeah, tumescence of all over the place, 
is, uh, and you see it in the davening of the Jews, their spine is, it looks exactly like the zikr, the, the spinal rocking of the Muslim. And let me just make one comment. I think if you've got Jews and Muslims together, huh. and they started doing zikr and davening, the two different prayer forms, that the, the difference between these two great religions would be go to zero. Mm-hmm. And the oneness would end fighting in the Middle East. That's how powerful this awakening uh, is and how universal. It, you see, it, it's identical, the, the, the rocking of the spine, uh, giving rise to these states of holy con- holiness of consciousness, and then feeling the love that unites us all together. Um, it, it's hidden just below the surface, but it's con- you see it in all the different traditions, called charismatic. Uh, the traditions where the energy moves our body, whether we want it or not. And that's how sexuality makes us feel. We move our hips, it's automatic, it's very freeing, that you're, you don't have to think about it. But the body has erotic movements way beyond uh, uh, the, even the most far-out types of sexuality that we know today. And Stuart, I'm not going to let you off the hook before you tell me, before you put words, please, to the most divine sense of love that you have felt. David nature, he 
felt that I had, you know, made broken through my own perception to actually seeing him. He felt it, and it triggered this love in him that he just ran over. If you know how Down syndrome people can be, when they give you a hug, there's nothing held back. There's no shyness whatsoever. And he just put his arms around me. That moment is, it was uh, 20 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And I can feel it to this moment. And like I say, it's not, it's hidden in a very special moment for me uh, because I, I could always feel loved by my brother. But in that moment, I, it became a connected love between the two of us. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we've come around our conversation, and um, I'm going to ask you to pause for a moment and uh, just tell us what you'd like to say in closing. Well, there's one thing beyond words, and I'll just, for like uh, 30 seconds or one minute, I will play my... uh, my meditation instrument called the Shruti, and I will just chant very briefly and give ourselves also a, a finish before uh, my chant so we can at least say goodbye to each other. Beautiful. So this will be about one or two minutes. Beautiful. Thank you, Stuart. You have me smiling from one ear to the other with awe and delight. I feel very close to you, Joanna. I do. I do too. <laughs> 